1: Hello, hello, hello.
0: Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelsner, and this is the podcast for marketers and for business owners who wanna know what really works with social media. I'm very excited about today's show for many reasons. Uh, first of all, it's episode 52, and I'll talk a little bit more about that later. But secondly, I'm excited about the topic. Today, I'm gonna to be joined by Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income Podcast and John Dumas, From Entrepreneur on Fire podcast. And we're going to talk about fear. Yes, I said fear. Every marketer faces it, every business owner faces it the fear of not being successful, the fear of missing out, the fear of getting started, the fear of change. These are things that every marketer deals with and we're going to be hashing it out and you're really going to love this episode. And as I said uh, a few seconds ago, this is episode 52 of my podcast. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for the applause. Really appreciate that. Um, It's hard to believe it, but there has been more than a million downloads to this podcast since we first started a year ago. And I really had no clue what I was getting into when I started. I didn't know if anyone would listen. And heck, a lot of people have listened. As a matter of fact, some of you listening to my voice right now are new to the podcast, but have downloaded every single episode. As a matter of fact, in July, I know that there are 600 people that downloaded every episode all the way back to the very first episode, which is one of the things I love about podcasting is, you know, it's kind of like subscribing to a TV show. You can go back and get all the old shows. I also know that someone from every country in the world has listened. The reason I know that is because there's about 198 countries in the world. And according to my analytics, there's been more than 208 listening. Now, I don't know how that's possible, but I'm not going to question it. Also, I got to tell you, um, this has been one of the most personally rewarding things that I have ever done. And I've said this before when I've been on other people's shows that uh, this podcast has been more rewarding for me than all the other things that I've ever done combined. And I don't know how to explain it. It's just been some of the great feedback I've gotten from so many of you that that are regular listeners. So I just want to say thank you so much for uh, listening to the podcast it's a true pleasure to uh, serve you each week. And um, with that, I've got something special I want to also introduce to you. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. But what I want to do is go ahead and take a caller question first so I'll go ahead and do that right now.
1: Deep from within a remote jungle village here's this week's social media question.
2: Hey Michael it's Mike Kawali here with the selfemployedking.com and a quick question regarding the plug-in tool that you mentioned last week and it's not per se, about this individual plugin, but just in general. But before that, I just wanted to say huge fan of the podcast, social media examiner each day, the posts are tremendous, but more importantly, my family is absolutely loving my kids' adventures. So uh, great job there. Um, Here's my question. Last week, you mentioned the jQuery pin it button. Looked at it, looks great, um, but you know, even when I'm leaving a message on right now, I know that this is a plugin, uh, this voice recording tool. I know it's tough to to answer this question, but I had some issues on my blog two weeks ago um, with the hosting company, and they said a, um it had a lot to do with all the plugins that I had. and I only have around ten plugins on my site. Is there a magic number that you could give to say, here's the most plugins you should have on your site, or is there a way to actually test plugins before putting them on the site? I know that some plugins are better than others when it comes to quality um, of the actual code of the plugin, but you know, is there a rule of thumb and any help would be much appreciated. Again, Mike, love everything you're doing and look forward to hearing you speak at Agents of Change Conference in September. Take care.
0: Thank you, Michael. Um, okay, a couple things. First of all, it's very important to know that all it takes is one bad plugin to pretty much kill your website. Um, The reason why plugins sometimes create havoc is oftentimes because they make either A, external calls to third-party services that slid on your website, or B, they access the database a lot on your website. Now, in particular, Michael is referring to plugins for WordPress and most bloggers out there are using WordPress. One of the best places to get a general understanding of whether a plugin is worthy or not is to actually read the reviews on wordpress.org. So all you have to do is just Google uh, WordPress plugins, it'll take you right to wordpress.org, look at the star reviews, look at what people are saying about the plugin. If they say it's killing the performance of their website, that's a big red flag for you. Um, Another thing that you can do is something that I've done. And by the way, I'm just gonna share this. Social Media Examiner has been plagued by plugins, and I know how it works. You know, a lot of times we love the functionality of something, so we install it on our website, and it's not until quite a while later that we realize it has some long-term detrimental impact on the way the user experience is. So um, one of the first things that I recommend you do is I recommend you go to um, a website called gtmetrics.com, G as in a Gary. T as in Tom, metrics, dot com, and we'll have a link to it in the show notes. Um, When you go to that particular URL, you type in your website address, where your blog lives, and you go ahead and you run an analysis on it. And it will tell you a speed grade, and um, what you do is you make a note of what that is after you run it. Then what I want you to do is turn off every single plugin on your blog, every one. And then I want you to run the analysis again. Um, the only plugins you might not want to turn off are any caching plugins that you've got going, like uh, WP Total Cache or whatever the heck it's called. You don't want to turn off your caching plugins. And um, notice if there's any performance change. And if it goes, if it improves dramatically, there's a couple things you want to look at. You want to look at the page load time and you want to look at the total number of requests. Now, um, you're going to find that. Um, You may want to run the test a couple times because you might get slightly different results, maybe run it three or four times and average the results. But if you notice all of a sudden that um, your page load time decreases from let's say 10 seconds down to two seconds and your total number of requests decreases from many hundreds, maybe down to a few dozen, that's a good sign that um, the cumulative effect of the plugins that you had on your website were likely impacting performance. Then what you want to do is slowly but surely start turning on the plugins one at a time and then run GT Metrics again and make a note of how it changes the load time and the total number of requests. And by the way, the total number of requests is really the number you want to look at. Um, to give you some, some comparisons, I have 155 requests on socialmediaexaminer.com and I still get a page grade of 90%, which is an A. And it loads in about 3.64 seconds. Now, Social Media Examiner has a lot of graphics. and um, But anyways, I hope this helps some of you that might be having really pokey performance on your website. And you can do this on any particular page. If you've got a section on your website that has special functionality on it, you may want to run that URL on that section of that page. I hope this helps you, Michael. I know that it's it was very, very instrumental in helping me identify plugins that made just tons of external calls. And when that happens, it slows down the website because it has to wait for every single one of those third-party services that it calls to. Okay, folks, um, let's transition over to today's interview on fear. You are absolutely going to love it.
1: To help simplify your social safari, here's this week's special guest.
0: Let me clarify. It's actually guests today, plural. I'm super excited to be joined by two friends of mine, by Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income and by John Dumas from Entrepreneur on Fire. Pat, welcome.
3: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: John, welcome to the show.
3: Mike, I'm excited to be here.
0: Today we're going to do something that might seem a little strange to some of you that are listening. We're going to talk about fear. And you might be asking yourself, uh, marketers deal with fear? And I'm going to argue that indeed we all do. And uh, whether you're a business owner or you're a marketer, What we're going to try to explore today is the kinds of fears that we deal with as marketers and, frankly, what we can do about it, because I think it's a lot bigger challenge than a lot of people might realize. For example, maybe you've asked yourself some of these kinds of questions. Um, If I start a podcast, is anybody going to listen? Uh, Am I going to make a fool of myself with this idea? Why should I blog when everybody else already does? My ideas are no good. What if I'm missing something? So these are the kind of things we're going to talk about, and hopefully we'll have a really interesting dialogue. So, um, John, let's start with you. I want to go back to the early days when the idea of the Entrepreneur on Fire podcast was nothing but just a fleeting thought. What was going on in your head? Were you dealing with any kinds of fears back then?
3: Oh, man, Mike, there were so many doubts, so many fears. And to take you back, I literally had an aha moment for Entrepreneur on Fire. It was while I was commuting to work. I was a commercial real estate guy. I ran out of podcast content one day. My friend and fellow guest here, Pat Flan, had an amazing podcast for a number of years. But even he was only coming out with one every couple weeks at the time. And I just wanted more. I needed more because I was commuting every day. I was hitting the gym, listening to this content. But I knew there must be people out there like me that wanted it as well. So I had that idea, that aha moment. I want to start Entrepreneur on Fire, a seven-day-a-week podcast that interviews today's most inspiring and successful entrepreneurs.
0: And what did so, you hear from other people?
3: <laughs> so that was it. I, I reached out to Jamie Tardy, the eventual millionaire, who had been a podcaster for years. And I said, Jamie, will you mentor me? Will you coach me? This is my idea. And she said, yes, absolutely. But, John, you're crazy. Seven days a week. Nobody can listen to that. Nobody's going to want to consume it. I joined Cliff Ravenscraft's podcast mastermind. He said the exact same thing. John, great idea, great passion, but tone it down a little bit. Let's, let's bring it down to once a week. That's what I recommend. And I always, always say, listen, reach out to mentors and people who are out there doing it and get their advice. And I got so much incredible advice from these people. But on one fact, I'm glad I stuck to my guns. I listened to my gut put those blinders on and just said, you know what? I know there's an audience, despite what everybody's saying, but the fears and the doubts never went away, Mike. They were always there until the day that I launched. And even to this day, I wake up and I load up my stats and I'm like, did anybody listen today?
0: Okay, John. So let's dig a little deeper here. People that you trust and people that you respect said you're mad. Don't do it. So what was your immediate response inside your head?
3: My immediate response was, you know what, these these people are probably right. They've been doing it for years. They have successful podcasts. Who am I to come in and say, you know what, I want to break up the status quo. I want to do a daily podcast. These people know what they're talking about. Cliff he he is the podcast answer man. Jamie Tardy, she has an incredible podcast for years. Who am I to say that they're wrong? And so my doubts were just running rampant.
0: Okay, let's pause there. Pat over to you, brother. You have dabbled in a lot. You've been blogging, you've been doing video marketing, podcasting, writing books, developing apps. I'm probably forgetting 20 things. <laughs> um, <laughs> in the early days, when you got let go, what were some of the fears that were going through your head?
4: Well, I mean, it's countless number of fears. Fears that, you know, was the work that I was doing actually going to be, you know, appreciated or even seen? Uh, fear, uh, that what I was doing was quote wrong or not the right thing to do. Um, fear of, of, of just, I guess, failure, uh, was, was the big thing. Um, uh, fear of, um, you know, looking bad or, uh, fear of not, uh, you know, especially when I was let go, those, the fear of not being able to provide for my family, uh, which, which was a big, a big one for me. Cause you know, I got let go. I tried to get back into the world of architecture and it, I wasn't, it, it wasn't letting me back in. Um, fear, uh, you know, of, of, of just doing the right thing. You know, want, uh, wanting to go down that right path that was good for me and my future and my family and, and not knowing if the next step I was doing was the right one. Um, what, did
0: mean, you, what did your wife say, Pat, when you started Smart Passive Income? Did she think you were a little mad?
4: Well, she's been, I mean, seriously, without her, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. She's always been so supportive and has believed in me. And you, and she, she didn't know what I was doing, really, or didn't even care to ask uh, too much about it. Um, but I told her what I wanted to do. And she's like, if you think this is what you should do, just go for it. And so I think, you know, to, to counter a lot of that fear, the doubt uh, and, and the resistance that was coming my way, um, you know, I definitely had to rely on the support of my wife and a lot of other people like mentors, like John was saying, I reached out to a lot of people for help. Um, without that, I definitely would have probably just given up or, or not, not taken those bold actions that, that I was going to. Going to do uh, from writing that first ebook that I wrote back in 2008 to uh, serve an audience in the architecture industry. Uh, I mean, writing that thing was difficult. Every day I was writing and I was asking myself, is this even worth it? Um, is, is, are, are people even going to buy this? Uh, I had no clue. Um, and, and those things were trying to stop me.
0: Let me set a story for you guys. <laughs> I'm in a restaurant um, on the waterfront having a celebratory dinner with. A couple of people that I have a great deal of respect for and there's four of us sitting at the table and this is in the spring of 2009 and I say I have an idea how about starting a social media blog the response nothing <laughs> 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 they thought I was insane they had wanted nothing to do with it and um These people happened to be um, extremely influential people that were going to be critical to the success of launch, to the launch of Social Media Examiner. And honestly, I tabled the idea. Um, Now, had I listened to them, I would not be here. (laughs) So the take home message that I want everyone to listen to right now is you may not know who John Dumas is, and you may not know who Pat Flynn is, and you may not even really know who I am. But one thing is certain. We have all dealt with significant fear. And we have all overcome it and have gone on to do some pretty exciting things. So my hope today is that we can kind of get to the bottom of this and talk about what is, you know, the reason why we, we fear. Um, I want to ask this question of you, uh, John. How about the fear of missing out? You ever you ever worry about that?
3: I think the fear of missing out is prevalent so often because you see all these exciting things going on, especially as entrepreneurs, it's that bright shiny object syndrome where you're like, "Wow, look at that. Google Plus is is brand new and now there's Google Hangouts and Instagram and Pinterest, like you're you feel like as an entrepreneur you're potentially missing out on all of these great things, but You know, for me, I always try to bring it back into that focus. I have a passion for podcasting and for interviewing entrepreneurs, and I want to focus, follow one course until success. And that has really stead me well.
0: Now, Pat, one of your mantras is be everywhere. Mm -hmm. Now, um, (laughs) someone who has a fear of missing out could have a real challenge with this, huh?
4: Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, when I was starting, uh you know, the podcast, well, first it was actually the YouTube channel on the podcast. I was going through a lot of the fears and, and, you know, th- there was the fear of missing out on those opportunities. Yes. But I think there was more fear, uh, that I was giving on myself. You know, I think we, we are always our own worst enemy. And for me with YouTube, it was getting behind the camera and using my voice. Like I didn't like my voice. I, I was scared of how people were going to take these videos. I I've read YouTube comments before and, and a lot of them are nasty. Like I didn't want any of that directed to me mm-hmm. when I started my podcast. It was the same thing. I, I didn't, I didn't like my voice very much. I, I, I feared if people would even listen to it or enjoy it, I feared what the reaction would be. Um, but there's also that fear of missing out. And I think that's actually what drove me because I knew that a podcast was a great way to build a relationship with people. I knew that I watched a ton of YouTube videos and I got to know a lot of people, a lot of brands through the video. So I actually feared not doing those things too. And so I had to counter uh, and sort of weigh the pros and cons of each. And I just decided, hey, you know what the, the the missed opportunity that i have here uh, if if i were to just lose this opportunity that that would that would be devastating i i would much rather deal with the uh, um oh wells than the what-ifs
0: yeah and you know this is a really big challenge that i think anybody who's a marketer faces because uh, something new comes on the horizon right let's just say it's uh short videos, right? Like these new Instagram, I don't know how many seconds they are videos or these new, you know, Twitter videos or oh, the vine, the vine. Yeah. Or before that it's, uh, it's Pinterest. And before that it's Quora and you feel like, um, you feel like you're, um, outside of, uh, Department store at Christmas time, and there's only five items available. And they open the doors, and everyone has to rush in, <laughs> and you have to be the first one there. You know, and it's like this is a serious dilemma that a lot of marketers they rush to this, or they rush to Google Plus, or they rush to that. Um, Pat, how do you decide what is valuable and what is worth not worrying about?
4: Well, I, I look at it from two two perspectives. One, what is going to be valuable valuable to my audience? What would best sort of deliver the content that I want to deliver to them. And there are a lot of obviously different ways to do that, but what are the best ones? What are, what are the, what are going to be my priorities? Um, and I think the reason for thinking about your priorities is because you can't do all of them. And I know I say be everywhere, but I, I say, you know, even further than that, be everywhere that you need to be. And where you need to be is where your audience is at mostly um, because there's only 24 hours in a day and we can't possibly put enough focus into every one of those different platforms to maximize uh, sort of the impact that we have on them. So I I, I typically suggest you know um, two or three platforms that you can sort of master as opposed to spreading yourself thin on 12 to 15 different ones, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, now, John, when you started, you dove deep and you focused pretty much on one main thing, podcasting, right? And you just decided you were going to give your all to it. Um, did you find yourself in a position where you were tempted to want to start doing a lot of other things not once you began getting successful with podcasting? Is it like a tricky balance where if you take on too much, then one thing doesn't you know, continue to be of quality?
3: Absolutely. And I can totally see why this is so prevalent in today's society because every time you see something new pop up, you know, back when it was Facebook and then when Pinterest, you always see the Facebook queen and then the the Pinterest queen or the king. People are always coming up and grabbing that mantle. So, so many people are thinking, I'm just going to wait for that next big thing and then become that king or that queen of that. And for me, hey, listen, Cliff Ravenscraft already had the mantle of the podcast answer, man. Nobody's taking that away from him, and I never tried, but I knew that I could focus, that I could find my niche, and that I could become known as, you know what, that crazy guy over at Entrepreneur on Fire that does seven interviews a week, you know, he's got something pretty weird going on over there, but it seems to be doing pretty well. He interviews a lot of people and they share some pretty inspiring stories. Let's go check him out. And that was. My focus, my goal was to find my niche. And that's what I love telling people is, you know, create your avatar. Who are you speaking to? And then really niche down to that avatar. And for me, it was that daily commuter, that person that works out four or five times a week that's looking to consume content. And so that's where I tried to stand out. And I haven't looked back since.
0: Now, I want to key in on something you said there, John. You said that you looked at Cliff Ravenscraft and saw him as the king of podcasting and didn't really want to take the mantle from him. Now, the reason I'm responding to this is because I think a lot of people listening right now are probably thinking, I'm not going to go do X because so-and-so already does it well. And had I had that thought, I would have never started Social Media Examiner. And I'm not speaking to you, John. I'm speaking to anyone who's listening right now. Because when I started Social Media Examiner, there were thousands of marketers that were blogging about social media and social media alone. So what I had to do was trick myself. Instead of saying to myself, this is um, a space where I could never compete. Instead, I said, this is marketplace justification to move forward. Because that means that there are so much interest and demand for this topic that there's more than enough room for me to enter the stage. And that's one way of dealing with the fear of entering a crowded marketplace. Instead, you look at it as an opportunity to go out and do something because clearly the market is so huge and you're not the only one.
3: Absolutely, Mike. I just would love to throw in there that I call this proof of concept. There's already a proof of concept out there. And what's so funny to me is that I wish all the listeners would realize what you just said and how valuable that is about how you had to trick yourself. Cause I get emails three or four times a day from people that say, John, I love your podcast. I, I want to start my own podcast. And they quickly qualify that by saying, but not in your niche, don't worry. And like, <laughs> like you know, like I would be like enraged that they want to start interviewing entrepreneurs or something. And that's the thing.
0: Yeah, because that's they, been going on long before you, right?
3: Long before me. You know, I didn't like reach out to like Tim Connolly or Andrew Warner and say, you know, I'm not going to follow your niche. You know, I just said, you know what? They're doing their thing. They're doing great. I'm going to do my thing, what I feel like is my format that I want to speak to. And I reply to these people and say, listen, you should go after your niche. Don't let my podcast dissuade you from that. Find your avatar and go for it. The proof of concept is there. Look at me, entrepreneur on fire, and go forward.
4: Yeah, and the thing I want to add to that, um, you know, when you see a lot of competition out there, and they're doing really well, and that drives you to want to go there because that is proof of concept or the idea that there is a market out there, like Michael, Michael was saying. Um, I know a lot of people do that, and then they just do what everyone else is doing, and – because that's easy. They see what's working already for those sites, and they just do the same thing. And that's when the results don't happen. Because there's something like that that already exists. Um, you know, it, it's that's how you get lost in the crowd. And so I, was, I, I, I same, same way as you, Michael. I mean, I, I definitely wasn't the first one to talk about blogging and entrepreneurship and, and online business. Um, so I sort of had to find my niche too. So I looked at that competition that was there, the proof of concept was there, and I saw what they were all doing, and I said, okay. I'm going to do something completely different. And so just like John, just like just like you, Michael, I mean, it's definitely the proof of concept, but also finding your own style and and, and something that is what's called your unfair advantage. What do you have to bring to this market that those other people who are in there already can't bring? Um, yes. You can also read the comments and, and look at how people are reacting to the competition that's already out there. Find out what is working. Use that as inspiration for yourself. Find out what's not working or where there might be holes, and be the one to fill them in. I actually think coming in late to the game, uh, you you have an advantage because you can see what's out there from sort of a bird's eye perspective.
0: And you know, I need to key off on this because this this just reminds me of like America's Got Talent or American Idol, where yeah. it's the early stages and someone comes up on the stage and they sing a song, but they sound exactly like the artist, right? And what do the judges always say, guys? Karaoke. They say, find your voice, <laughs> right? They say you have to do it in your voice because anybody can go out there and try to be a copycat. But when they add their unique voice to it, for example, like you've done, Pat, with your quirky little things, <laughs> you know, hey, that hey. you always mention, like your little singing and stuff. And I hope you don't mind me saying quirky. No,
4: no. I, I, I love that you say that because immediately that's, you know, I'm standing out.
0: So, okay, Pat, you um were trained to be an architect, right? Yes. And architects are guys that create things. And um, you create things. You seem to always be creating things. So you're a good person for me to throw this question over to. Why do you think creative people sometimes don't create? What are the fears?
4: Yeah, isn't that funny how creative, like half of that word is create, but a lot of people who are creative don't create. And it's because, you know, it's so much easier to come up with those ideas For, for creative people. Um, you know, it's just really easy to see those ideas, but it's so hard to act on them because we don't want to see those ideas. And this is, I know I go through this and I know a lot of people go through this too. This is just one of the reasons I don't want to see those ideas and my creativity shot down or not work. So it's easier to just not do them and just sort of dream that they would, um, and, and not, not go through the process of building or the process of failing. Um, it's easier to do that than to build and then fail and then just sort of look back and you know, just look down on myself and which has happened before. But I mean, for me, when, and what I've learned from, from the years of doing online business uh, is, is that the failure is good. And I think that's what a lot of people, creative people can take away is that, you know, you're creative. That's awesome. That's a huge advantage. Now, now go create. And if you fail, that's okay. It's just, it's just, it's, you can pivot. It's not, you know, failure isn't a stopping point. It's just an opportunity to move on with more knowledge and where to go next.
0: I'm, um, I, people that may not know me may not know that my background is as a writer and anybody who's a writer that's listening right now can relate to writer's block. And I think there's a creative block for any kind of artist. The hardest part of any writing project is literally the first paragraph. And, um, it's always been the case for me when I've written my books, when I've written white papers, when I've written anything. And, um, I know, and I'm sure you know this, both you guys probably know this, that once you force yourself to get comfortable and actually sit down and start the process of creating, it flows, doesn't it, Pat?
4: Yeah. You just got to take that first step and the momentum just starts to happen. And at the same time, when you're taking those first steps, reward yourself for those little milestones that that you may have reached, um, because that's just going to move you forward even more. I mean, we have these huge goals. And it's really easy to just feel like you know you're not making progress. So well, what kind of
0: reward? Make- what kind of rewards do you give to yourself, Pat?
4: Like I'll give myself a break. I mean, f- something like a break. Even in like, okay, if I finish this by the end of the day, I'm going to go play, uh, you know, Halo for 15 minutes. <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> so like, and I love that because I want to play Halo, but I've tricked myself not to do it unless I get what I need to be uh, what I need to do done. Um, I, I you know a lot of times the motivation is okay. This is, these are the tasks that I'm going to do today. What do I get to do when I'm done? I get to play with my kids. So I'm going to go out there and work as hard as I can and, and as efficiently as I can without distraction, because at the end of that little task, which is just, again, a fraction of that overall goal that I'm, I'm setting toward, I get to play with my kids and there's nothing I want to do better or more than that.
0: Okay. You said the word distraction and I'm going to key this over to you, John. You're so focused. And I think this is a good one to ask you. Um, a lot of times, when we want to create something, it's very easy to let ourselves be distracted by Facebook, by email, by television, by everything else that's out there. Um, number one, well, well, first of all, how do you how do you overcome those distractions, John? Because I know you've got a crazy amount of things that you seem to get done every week.
3: So I am a huge subscriber to that Parkinson's Law, where tasks will expand to the time that you allot them to. I mean big believer in that. I learned that in law school and I've really taken that forward because man, it is so true. And that's one of the first things that Cliff and Jamie came back and they said, John, if you do a seven day a week podcast, that's all you're going to be doing is just setting up interviews and recording interviews and editing interviews. Well, the reality is Mike, I set up eight interviews every single Monday, back to back to back all the way from eight to five. And I knock them out on that day. It's not an easy day, but I batch them together and I knock it out. And then after that, I go and I work out. I reward myself a little bit, but then I come back and I sacrifice my Monday night to editing those interviews and getting them all uploaded to Libsyn. So when I wake up Tuesday morning, my week is my oyster. I have that week open to do the other things that I need to do to promote my business, to move it forward that doesn't involve interviews. So the crazy thing is, is that literally one day a week, I have a a seven-day-a-week podcast, and that's the beauty of the world that we live in with the online world, being able to sit on my computer and interview people uh, via Skype and then upload it and schedule those out. And so it's that focus, it's that batching that has really allowed me to make sure that I don't let things spill into one another. I can't go on Facebook on Mondays. I can't take a phone call from my mother as much as I'd like to because I haven't talked to her in a couple of days. I have to block everything else out And just do those eight interviews and then those eight edits. And then my reward is the rest of the week is mine.
0: Pat, what's the most challenging business thing that you've ever done?
4: Wow, there's a lot of, I mean, I I can't even tell, where do I start? Uh, The the most challenging thing, I think for me. Recently,
0: last couple years.
4: Yeah, recently, I mean, I could tell you it's public speaking. That's something that I've, I've, I've feared like nothing else. I mean, it's the number one fear over death, you know, for people. Okay, and- so
0: pause for a second. You're standing there in your mind saying that I would like to start public speaking. And essentially what you're doing is you're standing on a cliff and you see the waves down below. <laughs> and it's a yeah. pretty far fall and you're wondering whether <laughs> you're going to survive, right? So right. what in the world got you to jump off the cliff and decide to do one of the most difficult things for you that you could have ever done?
4: Well, it's funny because I didn't want to do it, but I knew I had to, to take my business where I wanted to go, um, and 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 so you know looking down at the, at the at, you know staring down at the water from from high on the cliff, um, I read first about how to become a good public speaker. I read some Dale Carnegie books and um, you know Nancy Duarte and and all, all the books I could consume, because those are people who 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 are experts at it, and I can learn from them. So you know I can I can I can look down and, and the cliff. Won't be as high as anymore, you know, because I'll, I'll know that, you know, the water is deep enough, you know, and if I just learn how to dive in correctly, I guess you could say, if you want to keep going with that analogy. Um, so I read a lot. I watched maybe 100 TED Talks and I just started to discover, you know, what I liked about certain ones or what I didn't like about certain ones. And then I just did my first one and just put myself in the deep end, um, and, and I remember scripting the whole thing. It was a 20-minute presentation at the Financial Blogger Conference in 2011 in Chicago, and I was so scared. I scripted the whole thing, so I had like 15 to 20 pages memorized, and that's not how I do it now, and, I, and I've been working with coaches, which is another way that I've been overcoming that fear and getting better at it. Um, I've worked with a coach who, who – you know, his suggestion was you know, you're, you're stinting your creativity that, that can come out during presentations by scripting the whole thing, um, and you can have the opportunity to sound a little robotic, which I probably did that first time around. But since then, I've done you know, m- more than a dozen public speaking presentations, and I still get nervous, but it's a healthy nervous, and that's how I know. You know when that fear comes into play, that's how I know it's something worth doing. And it happens before I I I do any sort of public speaking. It happened, you know, when I think back in my past, it happened before I wrote my ebooks. It happened before I started my podcast. It happened before the YouTube stuff. So I knew that going into public speaking, that because this was such a huge fear, it was going to be such a huge win if I were to overcome it.
0: That's a great. That's a great. um, That's a great word. You know, you used the fear that you experienced as proof that you need to move forward. And I forget the guy that wrote the book um, that talks about resistance. John, do you know who I'm talking about? Mm, Um, The War of Art. Yes. Yes. First part of that book is really interesting because it talks about how resistance is proof that you need to move forward. Now, I'm going to share a little story with you guys. Um, The biggest thing that I've done recently that scared the heck out of me was the idea of doing my own physical conference. I knew that by doing this, I feared that I may make enemies amongst my friends because I knew I was going to go into a space where I was going to be competing with other people. I also feared the huge risk and the financial investment that was involved. I feared whether my friends would actually fly to San Diego and come speak. But more importantly, I feared whether anybody would show up. (laughs) And I got to tell you guys, it is the biggest thing that I've ever done. The most expensive thing that I've ever done, yet it was the most rewarding thing that I've ever done. Wow. And um, it turned out to be great. We had 1,100 people come to this conference. And and um, you guys know this, right? Because you guys have had, you know, John, in your case, it's your podcast. Pat, in your case, it's your public speaking. In my case, you know, it's whatever. Um, once, you, once you can... Prove to yourself that you're capable of doing whatever you set your mind to. I think it makes it easier to do the next thing. So, John, I'm going to pass this question over to you. Since you have achieved success, how are you? Um, how are you stopping fears, which I know you said still exist today, from from stopping you from starting something new or expanding?
3: So these fears are absolutely still there. And in some ways, they're even worse because as I know Mike and Pat, you can attribute to now that you are successful and you're being viewed as a success, you're almost scared that, hey, if I actually launch something that is not a success that everybody thinks is going to be this great achievement, that's even more embarrassing because I'm doing it in a public arena now. Like Mm -hmm. when I launched Entrepreneur on Fire, I was terrified in a way that nobody would listen. I'd be speaking to an empty room, but who was I really going to embarrass? I didn't know anybody. I had no online presence, but now, you know, I speak at conferences, you know, I have a massive audience. If I launch something, it's very public, and I can tell you a quick story about that. You know, for the longest time, I had people reaching out to me, my Entrepreneur Fire listeners, who I call Fire Nation, saying, John, we love what you're doing and i you inspire me, but I have no community. I have nobody to, to support me and to hold me accountable. And I knew for the longest time that I had to lead that community, but I didn't do it because I felt that if I put myself out there and I failed, it would be embarrassing for me, for my brand. And so I was scared of that. But, you know, finally, I put those fears aside Just a couple weeks ago, I launched Fire Nation Elite, which is my mastermind. And I was thinking, you know what? If 20 people join up, that'll be amazing. But I've now received over 200 applications. They're continuing to come in. I have a thriving community already of 50-plus people that's continuing to grow of Fire Nation Elite, all because I was able to put aside that fear, which was not easy to do, but I did. And now there's 50 entrepreneurs who are doing great things and supporting each other because I did that. And, you know, it really just goes back to that unjustified fear, that imposter syndrome that Seth Godin talks about all the time. President Obama wakes up every single morning. He tightens his tie and looks in the mirror and he says, what am I doing? Why am I the president of the United States? I guarantee you he does that because all of us have that fear. So we just need to realize that Pat Flynn, John Dumas, Michael Stelzner, we all have these fears, so the listeners need to say, you know what? They're no different than me. They have these fears. I have these fears. Now let's conquer them and move forward.
0: Pat, what are some practical things that a marketer that's listening right now can do to help overcome his or her fear?
4: Well, it's going to be based off of what I know works best for me, and that is just talking to other people. My mastermind groups... That's where I go to. You know, I, I'm actually in three different mastermind groups, and each week we meet and we talk about what we're up to and, and sort of you know what challenges we're facing, and that is where I always get, you know, that that third party perspective on things um, because it's really hard when you're trying to deal with this yourself. I mean, it's always great to get other people involved and and, and you know people you trust and you have a relationship with um, to get them to 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 let you see that yeah. This is going to be scary, but you should totally do it. Like you would be, uh, you would be doing the people out there who would benefit from what you're about to do a disservice by not doing it. That's another yes. sort of my, mind trick that I like to play on myself. Um, if I don't do this, people people are going to not necessarily suffer, but they're going to miss out. And so I put my fears aside for that because I care about my audience more and that usually gets me going through it as well. So talking with other people about it, whether it's in a formal sort of mastermind group that you meet weekly or maybe just a, a mentor or, or a trusted advisor of some sort, uh, and then also just understanding, well, okay, who, who is really going to be um, missing out if, if I don't do this? Um, yourself, maybe, but all those other people out there who, who won't experience what you are fearing, um, that's, even, that's even
0: stronger, I think. John, do you have any practical things that you might recommend um, for someone listening right now who might be dealing with some fear?
3: So Mike, I'm a big believer in themes. Whenever a theme pops up in Entrepreneur on Fire, I try to grab onto it because I feel like they're just great ways for people, the listeners to have great takeaways. So I really want to stick with this theme that we're ending with here because I couldn't agree more. If you're out there and you're, you have fear Find a mentor, find a coach, invest in yourself to help them guide you through. Go out to meetup.com. There's just ways to get out there and surround yourself with people. Jim Rohn said, You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So think about that. Who are you spending the most time with right now? And change it if you don't like the average that you're seeing. And get out there and surround yourself with like minded entrepreneurs who are inspired to do great things. And that will help you overcome your fear because you'll share what you're scared of and you'll motivate each other. And most importantly, you'll hold each other accountable because that is so key, being held accountable, Mike.
0: And I think the key thing to, um, to note here is to make sure you're careful about who you ask for advice from. Wouldn't you guys agree? Yes. Because there are some people out there who are not um, willing to take a risk and they will probably send you down a path and advise you not to do something, right? I mean, we should probably talk about this for a second. For the, those people that are have no clue who to team up with, you know, um, Pat, what are a couple things to, to look for when trying to find someone who you want to seek advice from?
4: I mean, a lot of it has to do with your gut, I think. it just sort of what you really feel like about a certain person. And there might be someone that might seem like they're, they're qualified to help you out, and, and maybe just in your gut, maybe it's just not the right feeling. Well, honor your gut. I mean, oftentimes our gut and sort of our first reaction to things is, is, is often correct. I mean, we live in a world like a bucket of crabs. I don't know if you've heard this analogy before, yes. but we, we live in a bucket of crabs. And what that means is if you actually take a bucket and put a bunch of crabs in it, no crabs will, will ever climb out because once one starts to climb out, the other ones will take their pinchers and just pull them back in. And that's the world we live in. And so you got to find those people who have the same values as you, who, uh, you know, that you could trust. And, and, and obviously trust doesn't happen in a day. It doesn't even happen in a, in a week or a month or even a year sometimes. So what you need to do is you need to put yourself out there in an environment where you can meet people who you could potentially build these really strong relationships with. Um, and, it does again, it doesn't happen overnight. But it takes you getting out there and you know getting uncomfortable a little bit if you're the type of person who may be sort of reserved or, or an introvert. I mean I was an introvert. At first, and when I started to understand the benefit of just meeting people, uh, and 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 um, going to conferences and things like that, it just it just changed everything for me, my business, and also how I am on my podcast, on YouTube, and on my on 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 stage. Um, and then most importantly, it's just shown me the type of people that I resonate with, and we are like we're like family now.
0: I want to say this: if you're listening right now, in fear is. Um, stopping you from moving forward, you are human, and everyone deals with that, but those that are really successful um realize that that's the case that every human being has fear whenever they're about to do something big while Disney did Steve Jobs did, Pat Flynn did, John Dumas did and does, and so does pat and so does so do I. So I want you to use the fear that you have that's stopping you from doing something big and something important for yourself or for your business. Use that as your justification to move forward because indeed, you will thank all of us later. Folks, I think that's a great place to end. Um, John, where can people learn more about you?
3: So Mike, my headquarters, eofire.com. It's actually a short forwarding address to entrepreneuronfire.com, but that word is a little tricky to spell even for me. So eofire.com, that's where I'm at. Say hello on Twitter, John Lee Dumas. And Mike, thanks for the opportunity to speak to your audience.
0: Thank you. Hey, Pat, where can folks discover more about you?
4: Uh, You can find me at smartpassiveincome.com and also on Twitter at Pat Flynn. Um, And just, again, thank you for having me.
0: Thank you guys very much for joining me today for this very important discussion, and I really hope it does make a difference in a lot of people's lives. Well, I hope you got a lot out of that interview. Um, You might not have thought at the beginning of the interview that uh, there'd be anything relevant for us as marketers and business owners uh, when it comes to fear, but I think indeed there really is a lot of relevancy there. Well, this does bring us to the end of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. Uh, man, I cannot believe this is episode number 52. It's insane. Um, you can get all the show notes that from all the things that we mentioned, uh, the links and all that stuff at uh, socialmediaexaminer.com slash 52. Also want to mention, uh, if you are a subscriber to iTunes, meaning you listen to your podcast on an Apple device, Uh, please do me a favor and go over to socialmediaexaminer.com slash iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. If you're not already subscribed, it's very easy. Just hit the subscribe button. That way you'll never miss a future episode. And while you're there, I would love a rating and a review if you've not already done so. Um, It's very simple. You just click on the star rating, and if you want to give a written review, that would be awesome. Um, Okay, well, this brings us to the end of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelsner. I will be right back with you next week for episode number 53, and I hope you make the absolute best out of your day, and may social media continue to change your world.
1: The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner.
0: Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter, we deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.